Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Monday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host. And today, we're going to be taking a little bit different of approach of an episode today, digging more into debunking some myths, this time debunking some myths about cannabis. But before we get there, we're going to go ahead and give a shout out to today's sponsor, and that is the one and only Young Americans for Liberty. And guys and gals, I have an amazing opportunity for you guys to jump headfirst into the Liberty Movement and make a real impact. Young Americans for Liberty, they are currently recruiting campaign field staff to help elect pro-Liberty candidates across the country as part of Operation Win at the Door. These principled candidates are dedicated to fighting for gun rights, keeping our troops home, parental rights and educa- uh, education, criminal justice reform, ending our senseless spending, and many other winning Liberty policies. And when I say winning, I mean it. Their work speaks for itself. These are the guys and gals that passed constitutional carry in Indiana, Texas, and Alabama, fought the lockdowns every step of the way, all while helping make Liberty win. So you want to help make a difference and get Liberty candidates elected across the country? If you want to be part of the fight and actually make an impact in our insane political climate here in 2022, you can do so by joining one of these campaigns now through November 8th, gas-covered, housing, fully provided, and you'll be compensated a total of $2,800 a month for your work on the campaign trail. Interested? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash Y-A-L to apply and make a real change in this country today. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash Y-A-L. Let's make Liberty win one more time. briannicholsshow.com forward slash Y-A-L. All right, folks. All right, folks. Well, uh, with that being said, looking forward to uh, moving on to today's conversation because, yes, we're going to be talking about the uh, the cannabis industry. And one of the things we've talked about here in the program is uh, more often than not, a lot of government regulations and government programs are often put forth to try and solve problems with the best of intentions, but end up causing more problems down the line. Jordan Lamb's going to join us today from Moxie to talk about how he's been battling and facing that specifically in California uh, in the cannabis industry. Jordan, welcome to the program. Hey, Brian. Thanks for the opportunity to be on. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation because, man, it's one thing to talk about, you know, having to face these uh, these regulators and, and such. It's another thing to actually experience it and live it. And I think it's important, frankly, to talk about what you see every single day having to face this in, in the, the business world, right? The, the uphill challenges that you have to experience but also the fact that a lot of these ideas that were put forth that, you know, are supposed to be good ideas that it's like the Nancy Reagan, this is your brain on drugs with a fried egg. There's all these misconceptions that were put out there when it comes to uh, to drugs and specifically focusing on cannabis, right? Of all the, the drugs that really was targeted. Talk to us first and foremost, introduce yourself to the audience, but let's talk also about some of the challenges that you faced out in California. Yeah, uh, so my name is Jordan Lambs. I'm a co-founder and the CEO of Moxie, which is uh, one of the older cannabis brands in the cannabis industry. We were actually the very first licensed cannabis business in the state of California. So uh, we've been around for a while and we, we helped uh, really shape the framework for a lot of uh, regulatory uh, regimens that have put out in various markets as they've come legal for medical cannabis and subsequently in a number of places, adult use cannabis. 
So yeah, we've been around the block and seeing uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly as it comes to regulating a business that is highly polarizing. Oh yeah, it's highly polarizing. I mean, I'm from upstate New York. I remember growing up, it was it was voodoo. You weren't supposed to talk about it. Um, and and you know what's weird too is the the acceptance of alcohol in lieu of something like cannabis. Like there's just this you know tacit acceptance like yeah it is what it is and yet anything when it comes to talking about cannabis it seems like people get so weirded out by it. it's 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 fascinating to me yeah you know it's funny uh i've been in it so long and you get kind of in the bubble of cannabis so you you're constantly around people that get it and, and have had their own journey of acclimation and understanding but I, I just got the opportunity over this last weekend to be in kentucky for uh the bourbon festival down in bardstown and it was the first time in a while that i've seen the reaction on people's faces that uh, was very much what you're saying, like, oh, <laughs> cannabis, you know, uh, that's uh, that's interesting. That's, uh, you know, they're calling it dope. And, uh, you know, the irony is, as we're sitting there, there's, you know, plenty of people walking around that have indulged in quite a bit too much bourbon. And, uh, you know, the delta uh, of effect when you're when you're used to seeing both, it, it, it feels obvious, but there's still a number of people out there that uh, just haven't been educated and realized that um, we've come so far in our understanding of cannabis, not only you know, the impacts of, of using it, you know, upon the body, but also societally. And, uh, you know, we still got some work out in front of us, that's for sure. <laughs> well, and then frankly, that's that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the show, because you're not only in a great spot to help address a lot of these misconceptions that are then used by government to put terrible regulations in place, but you're also having direct impact in terms of facing those regulations head on. So I think it's important to not only address the misconceptions but also then to address why that misconception is so dangerous when it comes to government then using that misconception to use government to try and enforce some insane regulation. So Jordan, what would you want to start out listing off some common misconceptions that you you see government using to uh, go after folks in the cannabis industry or just folks who look to uh, take part in enjoying cannabis? Well, you know, one of the things uh, that that is kind of topical today is there's a lot of talk about the high potency THC in newer cannabis products, and it, it really crosses two different lines of misconception. It's not only on you know the regulator and uh, you know the health aspects of of use of the product, but it's also on the consumer side. You know, you have on one hand uh, a lot of uh, press lately thinking, oh my gosh, you know, higher THC leads to higher rates of psychosis and all these different things. And, you know, it, it, while nothing is perfect, nothing's a hundred percent, you know, without risk, cannabis is a very low risk thing to be consuming. And on the flip side to that, you also have consumers now that are trying to seek what they think empirically is going to be an indicator of the highest quality or the highest value. And that's potency and the highest percentage of THC by content. And the reality is that on both sides of the fence, it's really not what we should be focused on. Uh, you know, on the consumer side, there's so much more that makes cannabis cannabis and makes the impact and the, the effect uh, or a strain have the, the type of characteristic that it does outside of that one compound. You know, that's one cannabinoid, which are the, uh, the, the uh, compounds within the cannabis plant that give it that characteristic effect alongside what gives it its aroma and flavor. Uh, but additionally, um, THC in and of itself is just one of hundreds of cannabinoids. And it's that magic of all of them together and how they modulate each other that makes it what it is and also uh, gives it the different medical effects for different people with the same ailment or different people with different ailments and also the consumption modalities that people use, which are plentiful today. You know, it's not just, you know, rolling a joint and smoking it anymore. 
And could you speak to some of the, the medical um, aspects of this, right? Because this is one thing I constantly see folks uh, will use as an objection, right? I'm a sales guy by trade, so I, I naturally focus on from the sales perspective, if we can not necessarily overcome the objections, but entirely block them at the onset, let's do that. So when you when you talk about the the medical aspect of things, I hear a lot of folks who they they'll instantly jump up and, and think that's that's not a real response. That you know it's just people looking for an excuse to get high. Can you speak though to the actual medical uh, uses for for cannabis? Yeah, you know, so I come from that line of thinking too. Like you said, you know, this is a, a taboo topic you didn't talk about, and it really came through years of my own just research and talking to people that I came to understand that it isn't what we've you know been led to believe most of our lives. Um, and the thing that really clicked for me was understanding just the base science of your body. Within our body, just like you have an endocrine system or a digestive system or an immune system, you have an endocannabinoid system. And your body actually produces its own cannabinoids that because they're not derived from the plant, they're called anandamide. So they're derived from within the body. And you have different receptors within your brain, as well as all of the organs within your body, that these receptors come up when they're under duress. And so filling those receptors with these compounds actually helps to uh, induce homeostasis within your body. So once I had that understanding, like, okay, the, the, the ability to take this in here is not only already there, it's existing, it's, it's predetermined by the design of our body, mm -hmm. but also there's only a couple places in in the entire world that you can get these compounds. One is naturally from within your own body and the other predominant source is from the cannabis plant. And the fact that there's that kind of, you know, nature's lock and key uh, that your body's asking for on a regular basis helped me to break down the barrier of understanding that there's some, you know, de deliberate need for this within our bodies. And the, there's this incredible natural source of it that uh, has withstood despite humanity's best efforts, uh, the test of time and is still here a part of human culture. In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, well, and and I think it's it's not only a part of human culture; it's now becoming more accepted. Which, I, I mean, even rewind twenty years ago, we were just talking about the the stigma that went along with utilizing cannabis in any type of manner, whether it was recreational or even in some cases medicinal. I remember when I first heard of a cancer patient that I knew as, as a family friend who was using medicinal marijuana, and my brain just blew up. I'm like. They're that per that person, and, and just you know, for, for some context, this person was a noted community figure. Uh, they were a former uh, uh, seated elected official, like very, very prominent. And ironically enough, I think were at one point very against uh, the use of of just cannabis in general, very against that. And they had led many campaigns in elected office against it. Ironically enough, but then when they were in a position that they had to use it firsthand. Not only did they see the benefit, but then they almost took it in a complete 180, right, Jordan? And that I thought was interesting because now they went from being against it to actually being an advocate for it. And I think that goes hand in hand with the importance of people being able to actually see the value for themselves firsthand. I mean, it's it's so easy to go out and demonize things when you don't know anything about it. 
And frankly, I think a lot of the the demonization of, of the cannabis industry in general comes from the ignorance that comes from folks just simply not knowing what that is that they are, they're so, they think, fervently upset about. Uh, and what, what you mentioned there in that anecdote is really very largely the story that uh, gets people to convert their understanding over. It's, it's either themselves or someone very close to them that they see going through something you know, debilitating or traumatic and then getting such great relief from this product. And then also, on the other hand, not having the all of the, the results that are attached to the stigmas of that, you know, it'll destroy your life. Mm-hmm. It makes you a lazy stoner. It's bad for you. All of this. They see they're just the same people that they knew and love or that they themselves as people didn't change. And the quality of life improvement that people get from it uh, can extend so far beyond even just what they may initially set out to, to use cannabis for. Talk to us about the... And, and this is something I hear often brought up is that, hey, you should still be careful, though, with cannabis because it's super, super, super addictive. Is that is that true, Jordan? You know, a- anything in life has the potential to have an addictive nature to it. I mean, look at caffeine uh, or, you know, <laughs> I always use the uh, the analogy of, of people that go to the gym a lot. Right. Anything can be uh, become habitual if you don't balance uh, with your life. And it doesn't mean that, you know. It's bad to be regular with going to the gym, right? But you can overdo just about anything. And so uh, that being said, scientifically, the propensity for addictiveness of cannabis is so far below uh, anything else that's out there almost. You know, I don't want to overstate, but, uh, you know, the, the ability for people to use it in a responsible manner is a heck of a lot easier than most of the other things that people would use in a similar context, be that pharmaceutical uh, drugs for treatment of various ailments or pain management, or even just, you know, uh, unwinding, relaxing at the end of the day with, say, alcohol. Um, you know, things uh, that are legal and even FDA approved, like tobacco today, has such a higher level of, a, a, of addictiveness. And one thing that a lot of people that don't understand, you know, the product itself still come back to is that it's that gateway drug. And if you talk yep. to real people in recovery that have, you know, become open to and utilize cannabis, they'll tell you, yeah, it is a gateway. It's a gateway out of addiction. And it, it allows them that ability to, to get themselves back and move past that need to be, you know, reliant upon something habitually. And, you know, even in my own journey of cannabis consumption, you know, at, at a certain point in my life, I was dealing with trauma and physical ailments and needed it regularly. And as I've gotten older and my physical chemistry has changed, my need to consume has has reduced quite a bit, and I still love and do use the product, but you know, not as much as uh, say I did ten years ago. Uh, so here, you, you, let's get real, folks. Likewise, I have my own story. I was oh, probably five years ago or so. Uh, yeah, five years ago at this point. Wow, time's the sound of the gun. Um, I herniated my disc in my back, really, really bad, really messed me up, and it caused a lot of pain. And in trying to deal with this, I thought, okay, I have two options: either A. I can try to get some type of, you know, name the, the opioid drug, right? And, you know, the, I go to a doctor, right? I try to get it prescribed that way. Or I can, you know, take the, the edge off by taking some drinks at night and I can sleep, right? And that turned into me needing that in order to sleep at night. And I got to a point where I was like, this is a problem. And much like you, Jordan, I started to use, uh, in this case, it was uh, Delta 8 as an alternative. I actually have a sponsor here in the program um, that is a Delta 8 uh, affiliate. And, and you know, I started to use that. I noticed instantly, instantly the the desire to use alcohol, which is just demonstrably a much more damaging uh, substance to use versus cannabis on your body. And, and like, 
I noticed not only did I start to feel better because I was no longer using alcohol, but now I was able, back to your point, to not only manage my need to feel that I needed to have something to take the edge off, but then I was able to better kind of like put myself in a mental state, right? You talk about the homeostasis. I didn't even think about that because I actually felt like that. I kind of felt like this equilibrium state where I was able to look at things more rationally and, and calmly, frankly, because when you're drinking, like you're, you're at this point where it's, it's your, your fight or flight almost gets turned up to an 11, it feels. And that was constant for me when I was, you know, waking up in the morning. The anxiety was was there from the drinks from the night before, the restless night of sleep, and and it wasn't a sound sleep. And then just taking that switch, instantly noticing that the change. So yeah, I I experienced it myself firsthand. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's remarkable, and it, we we have come a long way. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, especially after this last week, and I realized we still got a good ways to go <laughs> in education, and and really, it's it, it takes a lot of just like empathy. Like you have to realize, you know. I know for my journey and I started my transition into acceptance of cannabis fairly young, you know, around uh, 18 was when I started opening up to it. You know, at the outset, I was very staunchly against it. Uh, but, you know, there are people that for generations have had this, you know, put into their mind. And so it just takes some patience and some understanding that, you know, everybody wants the same thing, right? They want a good quality of life. They want healing. They want peace. They want health. And, uh, you know, there's a lot uh, that goes into your belief system along the way, and you have to unpack that over time. And we, we're at a really incredible place in history right now where it's it's more widely accepted than ever. Uh, but it's it, we're still not done. And things like Delta 8 that are getting out there, you know, getting access to people that otherwise might not have access to, you know, a regulated medical cannabis marketplace. Uh, it's really helping to, to push the envelope there. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, Jordan, it wouldn't have happened without you. And frankly, without folks like you in the industry helping lead the conversation, helping get folks like me on board, realizing that the stigma that I learned when I was growing up was just that, a stigma, and uh, to help actually realize that, yeah, this this actually not only is, I would say, I was almost going to say no different than alcohol. No, it is very different than alcohol in, in the best of ways. And it's almost like in, in the, uh, the Dewey Cox story. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, the, the Don, the, yeah, the Don Shadle. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it's not addictive. Well, well, it must, uh, you know, it must make you feel terrible the next day. It doesn't have a hangover like that. That to the point. Okay, sure. To to what you said, you can't say for everybody. Um, but my goodness, across the board, it's so much better. I I feel so much better now that I'm away from using something that I thought was a necessity in my life to nor just to sleep at night. Now going to a point where you know I not only can recreationally take play uh, take use of Delta Eight, but also if I ever need to use it to help go to sleep at night, I know I have it in my back pocket, and that's because of you, Jordan. So uh, I say all that. Thank you for for joining us on the show, and of course we want folks to not only go ahead and support you and Moxie, but also you guys have some uh, crowdfunding I hear that's taking place. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So, you know, because cannabis is still such a polarizing issue and there's still so much work to be done on the legislative and regulatory side, you know, it's still federally illegal. It's still a schedule one narcotic right next to heroin uh, and methamphetamine. Actually, I think methamphetamine might even be scheduled too. So the, the way that the government looks at and treats cannabis today is still as though it's the most dangerous thing in the world that no one should ever use. And because of that, it creates a lot of prohibition to you know maturing this marketplace. And along the way, because the industry is capital intensive, it takes a lot, particularly when you're growing largely you know a plant indoors to be able to do that. It's resource intensive. 
And so along the way, it's become very opportunistic from an investment side for people that want to get involved into the industry. And, you know, as much as it has helped propel the industry to this incredible phase that we're in, which is, you know, so far from when I first started in the space, uh, but it's also hindering it. You know, we don't have access to traditional banking or mortgages for properties. And so growth, which this industry requires a lot of capital for, is difficult. And what has that has caused is a very large concentration of the power within the industry to a few select groups that have been very opportunistic and a lot of times predatory in the way that the industry uh, has capitalized. And so we looked at that and saw, you know, cannabis in and of itself and our mission is like to get access to everybody that wants it because everybody deserves to make that decision for themselves. Even if someone's using cannabis because they just want to unwind and relax and let go because of the way it interacts with their body, you're not going to be doing harm to yourself. And so I always try to explain to people to talk, well, medical, okay, but no recreational. We don't look at it as binary. You're doing good for yourself, even if you don't mean to. And because of that, it's for everyone. We thought that the, you know, the upside in the growth of the industry should be for everyone too. At the end of the day, you know, people like myself and our businesses, we're standing on the shoulders of people who fought and gave their lives for the opportunity for people to have the choice for alternative therapies or alternative means of just relaxing. And because of that, why should it be just like every other new growth industry where normal people get left in the dust and the wealth gets hyper concentrated and, and controlled by a select few? And so because of what uh, passed uh, during the 2014 uh, passage of the Jobs Act, there's an opportunity now for businesses of which the SEC allows cannabis to do to uh, let normal people, unaccredited investors in kind of before the big pop, which is not typical for the capital markets in the United States. And we thought that that was a nice, well-rounded way to not only help propel the growth of our business, but to share it with the people with whom we are really built up by uh, our consumers and those that support the movement. And so, yeah, we're uh, in the process of launching a, a what's called a Regulation A uh, equity crowdfunding where normal people will be able to, for as low as $420, uh, invest into Moxie. And so we're uh, looking for interest right now before the SEC qualifies our offering. They call it a, a mini IPO. So you go through a very similar process uh, as a company would before they would list on an exchange. And our filings are in with the SEC and we're waiting for them to qualify the offering so that we can, we can get out there. Awesome. $420. That just happened to happen that way, or you know, might might have been a little bit of design in that. <laughs> All right. Well, how about this, Jordan? As we get towards uh, this segment of the show, I like to call it our final thoughts. I'll go ahead. I'll start things off, and I'll let you get a second to kind of think about yours. My final thoughts for uh, today's episode, folks, is is frankly, at the end of the day, um, this type of of approach to leading by building solutions and and frankly fighting back in this in what what Jordan's been doing there in California this is imperative for us to actually make things happen and it requires not only action on our our end but it also requires us uh to Jordan's point to financially support so if you want to go ahead and see things like this continue to to happen across the country like what Jordan's doing it requires you to to you know step up so i'm going to ask you to please Go ahead, support Jordan, support Moxie. And also, guys, if you get value here at the program, please give us some support. Head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash uh, slash support, that is, and uh, help us grow. 
Uh, if you can donate $5, $10, $100 over on PayPal, please uh, feel free to do so. Or, or if you want to go ahead and join us as a super fan, $5 a month uh, over on our Patreon, you get a backstage access. You also get uh, monthly uh, one-on-ones with yours truly in a, uh, in a group environment, of course. Uh, it's a great, great opportunity for us to kind of learn from each other. So if you guys are interested there and also, or if you just want to go ahead and support the show too, you don't have to take any uh, use from the Patreon. Actually, I've had a lot of folks say, Brian, I just want to support you. $5 a month over on Patreon, feel free. I, I absolutely uh, encourage it. So that's my uh, final thoughts. Jordan, what are your final thoughts for today? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, a lot of us right now in the industry are, are getting a lot of uh, the therapy amongst each other, commiserating about the, the good old days when there was a lot more passion and love and innovation within the sector. And as we've gone through this phase of, you know, getting regulated and getting heavily taxed, it's become, you know, one of, if not the most challenging industries to be involved in today. But at the end of the day, you have to realize what it is that we're trying to do and why it's worth it, not only to, you know, navigate those difficult waters of being so heavily scrutinized and regulated, but realize that we're not going to get back to a place where it's just a free for all and and everyone can do whatever they want to do. And so it's a constant, uh, I don't want to say fight because that's, uh, that's confrontational, but it's a, a discourse amongst the stakeholders, the regulators, the consumers, the business owners, the investors, to make sure that we're all contributing towards just trying to constantly get better. And that's always been our mentality from the beginning. And, you know, here we are about uh, eight or so years later, uh, longer than most in the space. And we're continuing with that, that core ethos because it's never going to be perfect. We can't sacrifice the good for perfect and we have to continue to strive to make it better. And you know what? Uh, a lot of things are actually starting to get better in a number of fronts. And we're at a big inflection point right now, industry-wide, where it's one of the biggest growth industries in the world, one of the biggest creators of domestic jobs. And it's still in its infancy. It's still all, you know, I don't want to say a house of cards, but it's it's something that's delicate. And it requires people that are committed and believe and are willing to support it with their actions and their words uh, just as it was at the very beginning when it was people that were fighting for the opportunity to treat their cancer or the, the nausea from chemotherapy with it. And so if we can continue to aggregate good, conscious-minded people like that towards this common goal and get those people elected into office and working in the, in the regulatory agencies towards it, we'll continue making that progress. And it's just still such early days. There's a lot more to be done, but we've made incredible strides. Awesome stuff. Jordan, thank you for joining us, folks. If you enjoy today's episode, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. It's in a favor I frankly ask every single episode, but in, in particular for today, please go give today's episode a share. And please, you know what? I'm going to challenge you, folks. You know at least, what, one or two folks out there who, in your circle of friends, maybe they're a little weary of cannabis. Share it to them, right? Because I think this is a very user-friendly episode. It's not aggressive. We're not sitting here on on camera smoking doobies, right? Uh, we're not Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, unfortunately. I'm sorry, Jordan. Um, I'm, not, I'm not Joe Rogan. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> not yet, as if. Uh, but no, thank you, though, for everything you're doing. And, and folks, thank you for, for joining us today. And if you get value, by the way, from The Brian Nichols Show, beyond supporting us financially, you can go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review over at BrianNicholsShow.com. And oh, by the way, Jordan, you talked about empathy. Well, I actually, funny enough, talked about that last Friday, uh, where I was talking about Empathy 101 and how you can use that not only in the world of sales and business, but also in politics, and it can become your super weapon. So you want to learn about that? I'll include that uh, video for you if you're joining us here on YouTube right here below. Otherwise, if you're joining us here on the audio version of the podcast, have no fear. 
Click the artwork in your podcast catcher. It'll bring you over to briannicholshow.com where you can find today's episode, the entire transcript of today's episode, all the links we talked about today, and oh, by the way, all 585 other episodes of The Brian Nichols Show. So with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. You're on The Brian Nichols Show for Jordan Lambs. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.